Thanks for tuning in to the Banner Church Podcast, recorded live in sunny Scottsdale, Arizona. For more information, visit banner.church today. Enjoy the message. Awesome. What a good morning. Amen. Good morning. Man, I get all my stuff together here. It's awesome to be here. Uh, our team has, has been here all week, actually, uh, especially Delaney, who's, I don't know if she's in here. Or she's in kids. She's usually running around somewhere at 100 miles an hour. Uh, but we were really blessed. The school uh, talked to us and said, hey, would, would you be able to do teacher appreciation? So we've been here all week just loving on teachers and administration and staff. And we love, man, those people in our community who make the choice, whether they're teachers or administrators or, or staff at any level, we're so blessed to honor them because they bless us by loving on our kids, right? And we we, as a church, one of our values is that we're champions of family, and we really believe teachers are a part of that. So I just want to say thank you to everyone who in here who is a teacher. Uh, we're so thankful for you. Um, man, some awesome, awesome teachers here. But yes, yeah, our first week being portable, really excited about the new season and what God is doing. I'm thankful that God has made us really the, the resting place of his presence, that we are his temple, as, as the word of God says, that his spirit dwells within us. So when we gather, man, that is the, the resting place. Right, apparently my wife's done with this message. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> She's, I'm ruined for that after this. I'm in trouble. I couldn't resist it. I'm sorry. We'll get some drape there next week so you can go to the bathroom in peace. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but we're really excited. We've uh, we've been preparing for a new facility. If you just walked in here, you might not know that uh, we we met up the road and uh, in a building, and we've been on that journey for about six years. My wife and I have been here for about seven years, and when we moved here, we were prepping for that building, and it was a ways out, and so we met at another school called Tonalia. Actually, we met at a house, then we met at a park, and then we met at a hotel, then we met at Tonalia. But we did the school thing, and it was just an awesome season because we were preparing, we were excited about what God was going to do. And so there was a sense in the church, not only in, in really intentional community, right, and seeing one another and supporting one another, but also in mission and external community, how we're going to reach out and engage and continue to do that. And so we're in that process as a church being portable, but we're also in another process in seeking a new building, a new facility. And you might ask, well, we had, you had a beautiful building. Why get a new building? And it's because we, we don't get buildings just for beauty. We get them for mission. Because we believe that God has called this church to be a missional church, and not missionally just externally around the world, but internally, meaning how we build up one another to teach, to train, and equip how we can be uh, connected to one another, but be planting one another in our jobs, and our homes, and our families. We say, like, we're a people planning movement. We want to train, equip, and send into every home, every workplace. And so we've been looking for that, that space. Our, our team has been working for, man, I, I, I said a year in our pre-service meeting, but really a year and a half has been working every day to find a facility. And uh, we now have a facility that we believe will be our, uh, our permanent home. It's really exciting. Uh, all... It's a 24,000 square foot building uh, that we'll be developing in phases, uh, uh, ph phased out. 
uh, as a church because if just for scale, our last building was 8,000 square feet. So we're going to be developing it out in phases and we're going to be uh, in construction and permitting. We've started meeting with the city. It's about 15 minutes, 20 minutes from here. It's an incredible space. And really as a church, we use buildings like this. We like hubs that can be places that send. So when we do small groups, we don't do them in one city. We do them in all kinds of cities, all kinds of places. As we think to the future as being a people planning movement, and as you plant people, you build churches, we want to see churches all over the valley uh, come under the banner, people come under the banner of Jesus Christ and, and put churches in that community. And so for us, we're like, well, where can we get an engine and enough space to really push that movement? So if you're like, well, what about here and there and here and there? We're Our goal is we looked at the big map of all the people who call Banner Church their home and we're like, how do we get something in the center? Because y'all drive from all over. Did you know that? <laughs> you guys drive from everywhere. Someone drives from Florence. We're not moving to Florence. We love you, Craigs, but we're not going to Florence. <laughs> There's like the outliers. like, sorry, we love you. You're our, one of my favorite people in the whole world. <laughs> but I'm not. We'll plan a campus there. You get 50 people together, Jake. I'll put something out there. I'll hire somebody. Um, but we're, we're really excited about it. We're going to keep sharing uh, about that space. We'll be doing things. We'll be taking you there, sharing the information. And people say, like, well, I just want to drive by. I want to check out any building you're interested. And I've just really encouraged people that we want a chance to share mission and vision because that's what really matters to us as a church is mission and vision. We're not buying a building. We're not doing spaces. You're not here for convenience. We're here because we believe God's moving. Amen? We believe that God's doing things. So, yeah, first of the new year. If everything goes well. So we'll say not first of the new year. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> if you do construction, you're looking at me like that's optimistic. Uh, but we're just going to believe we're going to walk out a as God has for us. And I, I really want to encourage you in this season then, what do we do? Right? Is this just like a, a good hangout space? Since we had to do service, we just had to find a space for it. And I want to say no. I think that God is preparing the church in a unique way because he's led our church to a space where we, for the past few months, have been like, all we want is Jesus. All we want is Jesus. Have you noticed that, how God has begun to stir that? All we want is Jesus. At the altar, what has it been? All we want is Jesus. And I want to tell you that Banner Church is here to take territory and believe for revival. That, man, Banner Church, we're, we're overplaying church. We're ready to be the church. We're not a church that's pretending. We're a church that's contending for a generation. We want to see a revival. And I know you might have been a lot of different churches that were seeker sensitive. We're not seeker sensitive, but we are very sensitive to the one who seeks and saves the lost. Like, we have an incredible worship team that does an incredible job. But, man, as a church, like, we're just dissatisfied with performance as being the benchmark. We want his presence. We want God's power. We want God's promise. We're not here to sit in a holding pattern. We're here to be on a launch pad to what God wants to do. Yes, we're looking forward to buildings, but we're focused right now on Jesus Christ. We're focused, and, that, and, and even right now is reportable. We're focused on Jesus. What do you want to do? We're focused on Jesus. What do you want to say? Jesus, how are you moving? And I love that the movement in Banner has been, Jesus, you're all we want. And that's what I want to speak to today, because I believe that God is calling us to a special season of focusing completely and totally on Jesus. And I know we're in a series called Miracles, but that the miraculous works of who? Jesus. Of who? Of Jesus. They're the miraculous works of Jesus. See, miracles are incredible. We believe for signs and wonders. We believe for God to work in miraculous ways. But the beginning and the end of all that we do here is Jesus Christ. Amen?
the beginning and end, the, the center, the focus, the heart, the cornerstone, whatever you want to say, is Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus. So today I want to talk about focus. Somebody say focus. We're going to jump into the Word. If you brought your Bible, go with me to Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. The words will be on the screen. Our great tech team has just crushed it today. Good job, guys. You guys are amazing. Amazing. But uh, let's pray together as we jump in. Lord God, we thank you for your Word. We're so thankful for your Word. We're thankful this morning that as we read your Word, that your Spirit's moving here. And so we just say, welcome, Holy Spirit. Open our hearts and our minds to, to really see, to hear, to know the Word of God, that it would transform us, not just inform us, that we would walk away transformed, not just informed this morning, that we would walk away renewed, not just checking a box, but really to check our hearts and be transformed by you in your name. Amen. All right, let's jump into the Word of God and talk about Jesus. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. If you got your Bible, go to verse 22. It says, immediately he meaning Jesus, made the disciples get into a boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. So Jesus is teaching. He's just fed the 5,000. He's on one side uh, of, of the sea, and he says, go to the other side while I dismiss the crowds. It says, after he dismissed the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. So Jesus, after performing this massive miracle, sends his disciples, says, hey, cross over. I'm going to go, and I'm going to go away, and I'm going to pray by myself, me and the Lord together. Now, this isn't my sermon, but man, that's a great model, right? Like if Jesus had to get away and pray him and the Lord together, I, I think that might tell us something about ourselves. Right? That as we begin to talk about focus in Jesus, can I just encourage you, if you're trying to figure out where that missing piece is, maybe it's right here and you don't even need to go any farther. It's like, have I taken the time to, to even if it's five minutes, pull my car over and just be alone with the Lord? Sometimes you can't get to the garden, but you can like get to the parking lot, right? It's as far as you can get. Drop your kids off five minutes early just so you get that three minutes in the car. But Jesus goes. He sends the disciples. And verse 24 says, When the evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land. And it says it was beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. Here's the thing about following the Lord. Even when you follow direction from God, you will encounter storms. Storms are not a sign always that you've disobeyed God. Sometimes they are, right? But just because you're encountering difficulty does not mean like the disciples had not committed some great sin and so God sent a storm. They weren't rowing the, I don't know, whatever, Connecticut way. Or I don't know, whatever they, they do. And every time I go to Tempe Town Lake, there's people rowing these big, long um, crew, right? Big boats. Like, it's not like they were rowing wrong or they were going the wrong way. And God's like, no, now I'm sending a storm. The reality of life is in life there are storms. And just because you're facing a storm does not mean you're dis obeying God. And as believers, we need to have the discernment to know when is it resistance from the enemy or when is it resistance from God? That's important. 
how do we know that? How do we know, well, one, am I doing what God has said in his word? That's a good starting point, right? And do people whom I know know his word and have wisdom and don't just tell me what I want to hear, are they agreeing with the word of God and are they teaching and encouraging me and I am I submitting to that leadership and that authority and so I feel in alignment or am I just doing it because I'm feeling some kind of emotion or some kind of longing and that's called the Christian faith, right? How do I know it's a storm from God or just a storm? But they're facing a storm. In Matthew 14, verse 25, you guys all still with me this morning? All right. It says, In the fourth watch of the night, he, meaning Jesus, came to them, the disciples. It says he came walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it's I, do not be afraid. Think about that for a second. I know sometimes the Bible seems so far removed, but think about that for a second. Jesus comes to them. He sees that they're in the storm, and he decides in a pretty baller move that he's going to walk out to them, which is amazing. And it says that they see him, but they're terrified, and they say it's a ghost. I'm just going to be honest here. I think the disciples get a bad rap. Like, I've been in enough sermons to be like, see, if you get superstitious, you can't believe. I'm going to be on Team Ghost if I'm disciples. I'm telling you right now. Why? Okay, we have what's called light pollution. They did not have light pollution, which means if you're in the middle of a sea in a storm, how much light is there? None, maybe the moon, maybe some stars. So in a pitch black night, you see a, a robed figure wandering the waves. I'm going to tell you right now, there is not a person in here be like, oh, that's Jesus. I don't care what you saw him do. You're, you're team ghost. We're all team ghosts for sure. For sure. You're either team, I don't see it. Right? Some of you skeptics. Or team ghost. Nobody's team Jesus right off the bat because it's pitch black and you see a robed figure wandering the waves while you're fighting for your life. You'd be like, that's the ghost. That's going to care, right? If you had any superstition at the time and you had any like Greek superstition, you'd be like, that's carrying us to the underworld, right? That's what they would have thought. And so Jesus says to him, them, rightly so, do not be afraid. And their response is like, oh, okay, yeah, that says you said that. But what happens? Peter answers the voice. He says, Jesus says, right, take heart, it's me, right, it's I, do not be afraid. And Peter says then, verse 28, look what he says, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Oh, tiny baby. Think about that. Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And so Jesus says, verse 29, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. This is an incredibly profound moment because here's all of the disciples thinking that they see a ghost, right? And then Jesus saying, guys, don't worry, it's me, which I don't know how comforting that really is, to be totally honest. I'm still unnerved. We didn't know you could do that, Jesus, <laughs> right? And uh, Peter says, not like, ah, if it's really you, then, you know, like, let's test it. What he's saying is, God, since that's you, call me to you. I want to come to you. That is an incredibly bold thing to ask. Since you're the Lord and you have authority, 
Call me to go where you are. I want to be where you're at. That's great faith, right? That's not like brash. That's not an unhinged Peter moment. That's great faith. Great faith longs to be where Jesus is doing what he's doing. Can I tell you, if you want to be where Jesus is doing what he's doing, it will often look like places like this. It might look chaotic. It might look difficult. It will require faith. But we planted this church. We said, we want to be a church who's only definable by the Holy Spirit. When I moved here, I said, the legacy I want to leave to my kids is that they look at my life, and there's huge sections of my life that can only be described by the miracles of God. How am I going to get them to know in a twisted, broken, fallen world that God is real? I'm just going to keep telling them? No. I want them to be like, well, I cannot explain my father's life without the Holy Spirit in the conversation. See, great faith longs to be where Jesus is doing what he does. Yes, Peter is brash. Yes, it gets him into trouble. And yes, sometimes Peter has just enough faith to get himself in trouble. Anyone ever been there? Right? Yet Peter experiences things that other disciples never experience. And I really believe this is the heart of the church that Christ saw in Peter, the heart of the church that Christ is going to build. It was a heart that was not content to stay in the boat, but longed to be called into the waves. If it meant being where Jesus was and doing what the Lord commanded. Right? It burned within him. Jesus, I want to be with you. Jesus, I want to be where you're at. Peter wanted to be called out. He says, call me out. Church, if we want to see God move like never before, then we need to step out in faith like never before. I fully believe the church in America is seeing the level of movement of God equal to the level of stepping out that they are doing. Because when you go to other countries where more stepping out is required, we see more movement. Why? Because there's a greater reliance and a deeper expectation of God. And it builds within us this desire of, I don't want to stay in the boat twiddling my thumbs. I'd rather be out in the waves even if it means stumbling. I'd rather risk something and see something than risk nothing and see nothing. The feeding of the five happened in the handing out. The walking on water happened in the stepping out. And when the spirit fell, it resulted in the disciples going out. The question is, are we willing to have great faith and to go where Jesus is and to do what he does? See, that's why I love Peter. Peter's Banner Church. See, at Banner, we know, our leadership, we know we're surrounded by uncertain times. Like, we have the internet. We watch the news. We talk to people, Right? And we know not everyone will understand what God's doing. Yet we sat down as a team and we said, what do we want? And the answer was, okay, let's call out to God and say, Jesus, if that's you, call us. And he said, come. And so people say, well, that looks like waves. Well, he didn't say anything about the waves. He just said, come. Well, it's still a storm, Jesus. Quiet down the storm, and then we'll come. Make a way I understand. I can analyze. I'm an analytical person. Make a way. He didn't analyze it for us. He just said, come. That's the only version that we have. He says, come, and so we say, okay, I'll go. But here's what I love. Great faith sees great things. The end of verse 29, what did it say? It said, he came to Jesus. 
Think about that for a second. I've seen like lots of pictures where he's kind of like far away. And it's like, and immediately Jesus ran over. It doesn't say that. It says he came to Jesus. He was right there, right? If he was walking, he got to Jesus. He's face to face with Jesus. He's right here. He's looking. Think about that moment, right? He'd walked from the boat. We don't know how far it was, but he had gotten to Jesus and he was right there. I kind of picture like, uh, like when my daughter first learned to walk, right? And I was like, okay, come on. Like, Come on, because I imagine even if you could walk on waves, walking on waves would be difficult because they move. I can't, right? My kids go to these like bounce them up places. I can't survive. I don't have the core strength, right? The core strength to walk on water would be insane, right? Because it's moving. Maybe he just walked through. It was just like a flat, I don't know, flat surface. Who knows? But Jesus is like, come on, come on. And so he's looking at him, right? He's locked in. I was like, come on, keep going. You got it. Keep focused. Look at me. It's like a little kid, like, come on, one more. And then they take that one big one. Then you have them, right? And they're like, oh, my gosh, you made it, right? He's probably freaking out, like, oh, my gosh, right? Like, you would be celebrating if you made it there. That'd be the craziest thing you've ever done in your life. You'd be like, what? Right? Just like right there, him and Jesus. Face to face with Christ. Walking out a miracle. But look at verse 30. Some of you know this. You know where we're going. It says, when he saw the wind, he, Peter, was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Remember, he's right there. He's already there with him. So it's right there. He begins to sink, and he's saying to him, Lord, save me, because Jesus is still, I mean, up here, right, on the water. And it says, immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Look at that first part. Throw that up. When he saw the wind. Can you go back one more? When he saw the wind. When he saw the wind. How many of you have seen wind? You don't see wind. You don't see wind. So what is he saying here? When he saw, and scripture says a strong, meaning authority. When he saw the power and authority of the wind, meaning when he saw what the wind was doing around him, when he saw the authority of the world around him, and the waves began to stir up, when he saw the crashing and the breaking of the storm, when he saw, even though he could not see the wind, he began to see these effects, right, that were happening around him, the swirling of the clouds. He was afraid, and he began to sink. Until this moment, he was like right there walking, locked in with Jesus. But all of a sudden, he's looking at Jesus, and then he's kind of like looking around, right? And he's looking at Jesus, and then he's kind of like, how long are we staying out here, right? <laughs> it's pretty dark, pretty stormy. And then he's still looking around, and he's looking around. He's looking back at Jesus. Jesus is like, what are you looking at, man? He's like, no, it's fine. It's just, you know, just looking around, just trying not to die, right? And he begins to take his attention off Jesus, and he begins to put it on the authority of the things that are around him and not the authority of the reason he's on the waves. Here's what's important. Faith follows focus. Where you focus your attention and your affection and your devotion will determine your faith. Where you're looking, what you focus on will always affect your faith. I was thinking about this this week. Um, I love riding motorcycles. I recently rebuilt a motorcycle, and I, uh, I uh, took the class because my wife told me to. Um, <laughs> no, I took it because I'm smart, and I wanted the insurance break. Uh, but in the class, the thing that they hammer over and over and over in the class is wherever you look, you'll go. 
right? That sounds so simple, but there's this weird thing that happens. Is, is anyone here ride a motorcycle? You might, you know what I'm talking about. Okay. That what happens is you're riding, a motorcycle is a really easy thing to ride in a straight line. And it's a really fun thing to ride on a curve. But the curvier, the more dangerous-y, right, that it gets. That's how it works. And what will happen is, as you're going around a curve, you'll look one of two places. You'll look at yourself, and that's a different sermon. Or you'll look at the curve, right? Because if you've ever ridden a curve, see, when you're driving and you go to that big swooping overpass, what you see in your car is just an opportunity to just burn some rubber on the edge and finally get around that snowbird, right? What I see is a 50-foot drop and Jesus right on the other side. That's what I see. So when you're going, what will happen is if you start looking, I need to look here because I need to turn, but if you're looking at the curve, you'll just keep going straight at it. Whatever you look at, you'll go towards. That's a weird space. Now, you got to be aware of everything, right, because there's danger everywhere, and people here drive like they're on fire. <laughs> uh, and if you love your pastor, you'll get off your phone while you drive your car, just for me. i got to get home to my family. Be nice to me. Get off your phone. But people here drive like they're on fire, so you gotta be you gotta be aware, but you can't stare at it because you'll go right at it. You'll just stare right at and so people I see it. People will be cornering and they'll just be staring at this rocky embankment, because every embankment here is rocky. And they'll just be staring, and then they'll be like, you'll be like, turn, no, go, turn, go this way. It's basically a bicycle with an engine. You could do this at any moment, but they can't just boom, right? Go, 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 go right into the rocks. And you're like, what? Why? And it's like, I just, that's all I was looking at. That's all I could see. Where you put your focus, your bike will follow. Can I tell you this about life? Where you put your focus, your life will follow. I've learned the same thing's true about life. Where your focus is, your life will go. And so you can tell me that your focus is Jesus all that you want, but I can tell by the tire marks what the focus is. People meet with me, be like, Pastor, no, I was all about Jesus. Like the skid marks say otherwise. Say we were looking over here, we were looking over here, and that's what happens to Peter. He's in the waves, he's eye to eye with Jesus, but all of a sudden his focus begins to change, and faith follows focus. His faith followed his focus away from the authority of Jesus Christ to the authority of the waves, and he be began to attend more to the authority of what was around him than the authority of the Lord who was looking at him. And what happened is he became afraid. How many of you know that's true? That fear loves to steal our focus away from Jesus Christ. And the waves are a real threat. That's why I use motorcycling as an example. Everything else is still a real threat you, you have to be aware of. But if it's all you focus on then not only will you miss out on the beauty like in motorcycle of a great ride or, or life of a great life full of the Spirit, you'll likely crash out staring at that thing. It begins to steal your focus. It begins to draw you in. It becomes deeper and deeper and deeper and feels like you're sinking. See, when we turn our focus from Christ, faith turns into fear and walking turns into sinking. That's why I said Peter began to sink. Have you ever noticed how fast that happens in life? Right, like you did 21 days of prayer and fasting and your eyes are like right on Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? You're like, if I'm only going to eat nuts and fruit for 21 days, I'm going to pray. 
right? That's going to happen because my prayer is going to be like, Lord, don't let me hurt anybody while I'm only eating nuts and fruit for 21 days. I'm in a bad mood. The first 10 days are rough. You're like, I need to go on a prayer retreat so I'm still married at the end of this. All right? It can be hard. But then like day 22, it's like, well, you know, I've been, I've been in the Word for 21 days. I'm just kind of taking a break. And all of a sudden, we kind of like take our focus away from Jesus. I'm just using it as an example. We take our focus away from Jesus, and all of a sudden, it begins to feel a little bit like sinking. Right? When we're walking with Jesus, we're, we're giving faithfully, but all of a sudden, like money's a little tight. So we kind of, we turn our focus from him, but it just never feels better. It never feels good. It never feels improved. It always still feels like sinking. Man, like in our marriage, like, yeah, we were in the Word. We prayed together. We focused on Jesus. But, man, life got busy, right? I get it. Life gets busy. I mean, I remember that this is the weirdest season for me in Easter and then selling a building and then trying to buy a building and move out a building. And I'm at the hospital just telling Katie, hey, just, just don't push as hard. I got to send a couple texts to make sure we get into Yavapai here. And do we, right? And no, I get it. Stuff happens, right? And then I got, you know, we have the kids and family and things, right? That, that's work. Man, when you're a pastor, you get a day and a half of paternity leave. That's what you get. The day you're in the hospital and then half of another day, right? That's how it works. People are like, I would love to be a pastor. It's like, sure you would. Uh, <laughs> I get it, life gets busy, but I see that in marriages. I, I see that in my own marriage, right? It's like life gets crazy, and now like you, you might talk about Jesus to others, but you don't talk about him together. You don't read the Bible together. You don't have intimacy with God, and maybe you don't even have intimacy with each other. Start bickering, start fighting about stuff that you never would have thought about and now every disagreement becomes a chance to dig in your feet rather than washing their feet. And it happens so quick, right? Come on. This is the real moment where you go, yeah, yeah. It happens fast. It happens fast in our life, in our minds. How quickly we're like, man, I, I'm free from anxiety. I'm walking with the Lord. I'm, I'm with him. I'm praying with him. And then it's like a week goes by and I haven't really spent time with the Lord. And I start feeling a little anxious. So I go back to the things that I used to use to soothe my anxiety but it doesn't get better. It gets worse. Then I feel more guilty, so I feel more anxious. Then I don't want to go to church because I'm worried they know, so I feel anxious about going to church, which makes me more anxious, right? How quickly as we begin to take our eyes off Christ do we feel like we're sinking? Have you ever had that moment? Are you in that moment? We're like, man, you know what? I'm like realizing I, I begin to take my focus and my gaze off of Christ, that's why I've been feeling the way I'm feeling. It's not like Christ has left me. He was right there. But I'm the one who started looking around. But I love Peter because he does what we all need to do. He cries out, Lord, help me. Right? I love Peter. He says, Lord, help me. He's not like, well, I'm going to figure this out. I'm sorry that I've inconvenienced you, Jesus. Right? <laughs> I'm just working through some stuff right now. I'll see you in the fall. Right? <laughs> right? I'm just going to go to Sedona and try to find a vortex and just really find myself. Right? Go, 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 right? No, he's like, ah! Right? Right? Peter's like the first one at the altar. He's that youth kid that you have to keep telling him he doesn't need to keep giving his life to Jesus every youth service. Right? It's like, bro, you're in. You got it. Right? He's that guy at the altar every week. I told someone this week, we're having coffee, and he's like, yeah, I just go to the altar. I was like, bro, I go to the altar every week. I go for prayer every week, and I run this thing. Right? And I need it. I need to go, Jesus, I need to set my eyes on you. Amen? Jesus didn't look, lose focus. 
He's not far. He's focused, but we have to set our attention, our affection, our focus fully on Jesus Christ because we're fighting a spiritual battle. And if the enemy can't destroy you, he'll distract you. Right? John 10 says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy like this fly right here that I just destroyed. But the key to the last two is the first, that he's first come to steal. And the best thing that he tries to steal is your focus from God. Because if he takes that focus and that attention and he puts it on things other than God, he can lead you into a place of idolatry that leads you far from God. You can say, yes, God, I believe it's you, and I, be I believe that you're real, but look at these waves. Look at this wind. Look at this situation. Yes, I know I'm literally walking in the midst of the miracle called salvation, but look at this. And I want to be real careful here, but I think this is important. Can we just roll on a thought real fast? Is that okay? Just like lots of mercy, lots of grace. I just want to roll on a thought here, but I don't want anyone to get hung up. We got to get through the other side of this like thought tunnel that's going to happen in this moment because there's like this thing. So don't get stuck in the middle on this word. But this is what we would call idolatry. Some of you don't get stuck right there. Did you feel that? You got stuck. Go all the way, all the way through. It's like a, the luge in the Olympics. Get all the way through there. <laughs> Idolatry is worshiping something other than God. You say, well, how can this be that? How can moving my focus from God to the wind be that? Well, what is it to worship? To worship. I don't mean just music. Now, one of the ways we worship is through music. But to worship anything is to give your affection and your devotion completely to it. It's whatever is going to be the central focus on your life. So that could, that could be all kinds of things. But the enemy does not want Jesus to be the focus of your worship, of your affection, of your devotion, of your life, of your attention. He doesn't want that. And so he's very sneaky and he's very tricky and he tries to get you to shift your attention off of Jesus onto other things. Why? Because Satan knows that those with Jesus as the focus of their life, those that make their life an act of worshiping God, even if they are sinking sometimes on the waves and Jesus has to lift them up, they're not perfect. But if he can get people to shift away, he knows that those who make their whole life an act of worship to God will see immense and life-changing things for the kingdom. Satan knows that. God knows that. That those who make Jesus the central focus of their life will see incredible things for the kingdom. Satan knows that a church, with, a church of people with Christ at the center will change the world. That's why he works so hard to distract the Western church. People say, oh, the Western church is crumbling. It's not crumbling. It's just distracted. Well, there's not enough programs. I don't like the songs that Gillian sings. She's too loud. These chairs aren't comfy enough. It's too far. It's too this. I don't like that, right? I get it. There's preference. Totally understand there's preference. But man, how many of them are preference? How many of them are just distractions? Because when I travel the world, you know what I see? I see dirt floors where the Spirit of God stirs and changes lives. I see what we've begun to see at the altar as a regular tradition of the church and a releasing and a movement See, Satan hates that church. He hates that life because it's focused on God, and so it will see God move. And I get it. There's real dangers in life that become distractions. Totally understand. I have them. You have them, right? 
in this process, there's been days I'm like, oh my gosh, just feeling overwhelmed. And I get it. They can steal our focus. They can rob us. They put fear in us. They rob us of this faith. But can I just tell you, don't let them do it. Like, get a little angry at the devil and say, now, wait a second. You don't get to move my focus, right? Get irate. People say, well, I don't know if I want to follow Jesus. I feel like you're just telling me what to do. I'm like, no, the devil's already telling you what to do. God is freeing you up to choose him and to say, well, I'm going to choose to put my focus on you. And I get none of us were, are perfect. Peter wasn't perfect. He stumbled, right? Right? Where are my stumblers at? You know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> That's life. But I would rather be the one stumbling in the miracle than the one sitting in the boat every day. People look at you stumbling in the miracle and they say, look, see, look what was written about him. It's like, yeah, but something was written about him. <laughs> right? He made it in the Bible many times. He's a big time disciple, right? Say, well, you know, he stumbled. Yeah, but we don't hear anything about what happened in the boat because the miracle wasn't in the boat. So he might have stumbled, but he walked and he learned because Jesus was teaching him something. Let me explain. How many of you have seen Elf? How many of you have seen Elf? You know an Elf, when they're trying to sing to get the sleigh to go higher, right? That's not what's happening in this miracle. Come on. If you've been in church, you know the sermon I'm talking about. That's the idea. It's like, well, depending on your level of faith will determine like how high in the water you are. If you have a lot of faith, you'll be really high. If you have a lot of faith, that miracle will happen. If you have a lot of faith, then like, but if you only have 75%, maybe you only get like 75% healing or 50%, you only walk on the water like 50%. And so there's a sense of like, well, he didn't have faith, so he sunk, right? Jesus was determining whether he was on the water or in the water. That's what was occurring here. God had the authority God is the one in authority of whether Peter was on. Peter is, is under the authority of Jesus Christ. Jesus is trying to teach something and invite Peter to participate in something here. Are you with me? Jesus is controlling this situation. He's in the God of authority. He's the God of authority, and he's dictating this moment. And he's using this to, to teach and to show something about faith and about trust and about belief and about focus within Peter. That's why it says in verse 31, throw verse 31 up there for a second. He says to him, it says, immediately he reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Look at that first word, immediately. Right? It, this was not a sink or swim. This not, it wasn't like, well, let's see if he gets his faith back up. Then he'll, he'll rise back up, right? Those jet boots out of the water. That's not what Jesus is doing. He hadn't left Peter. He wasn't far from Peter. He was still right there. He was still teaching Peter. He wasn't angry at Peter. Just because you correct somebody who's following you doesn't mean that you're angry at them. He was trying to teach him. What is he trying to teach him? Where will you put your faith when the wind blows? Jesus had big plans for Peter. He knew what Peter could do in the kingdom. He also knew that not only could Peter's boldness change lives, if it was not directed in the right way, it could hurt lives. There were things that Peter needed to learn. And this was an incredible opportunity to ask, where will you put your focus when the wind crashes? And Jesus is teaching me, saying, if you put your focus on me, 
I will sustain you. If it's on the waves, they cannot sustain you. Because Jesus knew something. He said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. The trouble part still exists. And he tells them as well, you're going to share in my suffering and share in my glory. So what does Jesus know? He says, there's going to be difficulty. There's going to be storms. That's not the question. The question is how you will operate in them. What will you focus on? Where is your focus? Are you with me this morning, church? Where is your focus? Church, where is your focus? Sometimes our focus is in our sinking. Well, I just feel like I'm sinking. That's all we can focus on. Where is your focus? Verse 32, and band, you guys can come up. Verse 30, or uh, whoever's playing keys, do the stuff that we agreed on earlier. <laughs> Thanks, G. <laughs> Love that jacket. <laughs> Verse 32 said this. You guys still with me this morning? Awesome, awesome. I always appreciate how this church hears and responds to the word. I encourage you, we're going to do the same thing as well today. But Verse 32 says, when they got into the boat, meaning Peter and Jesus, the wind ceased. Okay, hold on. Let, let me pause there. When they got back into the boat, the wind ceased, which means that Jesus lifted him back up into a storm. Right? He didn't calm the storm, then lift him up. He lifted him back up into the same situation that he was at, and he taught him. Literally, he was teaching him standing in the waves. Think about that, right? Here's Jesus. He lifts him up. He's looking face to face like, why do you doubt? And he's saying that meaning now that you're focused on me and you're looking at me, look what's happening. You're walking on the water again, right? There's a redemptive moment here. Sometimes we miss. We're like, and it was over. Peter's dumb. Nope. That's not what's happening here. Jesus is a God of restoration. That when you cry out to him, he restores you. When you look to him, he restores you. Scripture says those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. That's the God that we serve. And so as he lifts him up and he looks at him. And then it says when they got back into the boat, then the wind ceased. Jesus showed again, this is all under my authority. But the point he was trying to make, and the reason I think he doesn't call him at first is he's trying to make the point, our role as disciples, as followers of Jesus, is to focus on Jesus. Jesus' role as Lord is to be sovereign over all things. Our role as disciples is to follow him. Our role is to focus on him. Our role is to put him at the center of our life, to put him as the, the cornerstone in everything in our life, to build our life around him. That's, that's what we do. What Jesus does as Lord is he's sovereign over all things. He makes a way. He heals. He restores. He uplifts. We don't force his hand. We simply cry out to him. And we focus our heart. The question for all of us then is, if faith follows focus, where is your focus? Since faith will always follow focus, wherever your worship goes, your faith is going to go. Where is your focus? Are you focused on Jesus? Or has something else stolen your focus? That might have just happened even just on the way into church today. Sometimes it's big, sometimes it's small. Maybe something's stolen your focus, and the more you focus on it, the more overwhelmed and anxious you are by it, the worse it gets. 
Maybe something has stolen your focus. You're like, man, in, in our marriage, man, I just want to come to the altar with my spouse and say, we're focusing our heart on Jesus. That doesn't mean your marriage is crumbling. That just means we've maybe got a little unfocused. I think that's so good. Maybe in yourself, you're like, you know what? I was struggling with anxiety. God moved. I came to the altar. But you know what? A lot of life happened. I got a little unfocused on him. And so just like Peter, I'm just like, Lord, help me. I'm coming, coming to you. And I'm just going to focus my heart. That's what worship is. It's a chance for us to focus our heart on Jesus. That's what worship is about. That's what the altar is about. It's to focus our heart on Jesus. Say, Jesus, my heart is focused on you. I set Christ first. I set him at the center. And I trust in faith for him to move, for him to change, for him to restore. Do you believe that this morning, church? Do you believe that? Would you stand with me? Holy Spirit, we just invite you in this moment right now. Before we respond, I just pray just to open us to your heart. I just sense even a, a sensitivity and a, a compassion in this place. God, where maybe this message has been delivered before with a hammer, but I believe you're bringing it with an embrace this morning to say, I long to see eye to eye with you. I long to be in a deep relationship with you. And so, God, we respond this morning and we come before you just as an act like Peter of stepping out in faith. Not because this little concrete strip here is so important, but because we believe in stepping out and say, Jesus, here I am. I focus my heart on you to have a moment with you. Just as Jesus is all about you. So God, I pray right now for that person here this morning, the people here this morning who say, yes, Jesus, I, I have in some ways taken my focus off of you or things have begun to distract me or I've begun to be overwhelmed by that wind and waves. I just thank you this morning that your gracious hand is here to uplift, that you have great purpose for this church, that you have a great plan for this body of faith, for every person here, that you're calling us to great miracles and we want to go. But God, just like Moses, we only want to go with your presence. We only want to go with our eyes focused on you in every way, in our family, in our marriages, in our finances, in our life, in our thoughts. And so we say, Jesus, we're just here for you. We're here for you, Jesus. We're here for you, Jesus. We focus our hearts on you. If you're here this morning, here's how I want to respond. I just want to invite you to take a step this morning. It's a little different. Just taking a step to come up here, maybe kneel down or stand, and just have a moment where you say, Jesus, my eyes are on you. I just pray right now. That's our prayer. Jesus, our eyes are on you. If that's you, and you're saying, you know what? I want my focus to be fully and completely on Jesus. In any, any way in your life, I want my focus to be fully on Jesus. I just invite you right now, would you just come up, take that step, and kneel at the altar and say, Jesus, all I want is you. My focus is you. Jesus, Jesus, whatever it is. Maybe you just need to kneel down, whatever it might be, and you're saying, Jesus, everything to you, Jesus. As you come up, just begin to speak to him. This is your place. This is your moment. This is your space right now. Jesus, I give it to you. Whatever it is, Jesus, I focus my eyes on you. If you need to get right with somebody, if you need to get right with your spouse, if you need to have a conversation, have it right now. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter if someone hears you. If you just need to pray in the Spirit, you sense the Spirit moving, you can just pray. Whatever you want. This is your prayer in the Lord. This is you guys right now. Jesus, 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 right now. Whatever it is, Jesus, I put my focus on you. Jesus, we welcome you, yes.
Come on, there's no worship that's gonna bump this moment. This is you and him. Just right, even right now, with your voice, begin to say, Jesus, I focus my eyes on you. If there's something that he begins to bring to your heart, you just begin to pray, Jesus, I give everything to you. Whatever it is, I focus it on you. Jesus, I lay it at your feet. If you're feeling helpless, you just say, help me, Jesus, right now. Would you come to me, Jesus, right now? And I just invite you, prayer team, would you come around right now and begin to pray over these lives and these people? They're just going to come. They're going to lay a hand on you. They might ask you what you need prayer for, but let's just take this moment. If you're not up here, would you just begin praying over this space in this room? You're part of this family. If you're up here at the altar, if you're at your seat, every different Sunday, people are in different places, but we just begin to pray Jesus Holy Spirit right now move upon lives Holy Spirit renew Holy Spirit take away whatever stolen our focus I pray against fear right now in the name of Jesus God, I pray against a fear that's crept in, a fear of the future because of the past. And I pray in alignment fully and completely with you right now in the name of Jesus. I pray a freedom right now in the name of Jesus over every life. God, I pray for marriages right now. I pray over you and your marriage right now in this place, in this church. I pray such a unity together as you fix your eyes on Jesus. I pray a laying down right now that the Lord is speaking. you, saying, stop digging in your feet and start washing feet. And don't wash in the way you want to. Wash in the way they want to. Begin to minister like never before. Begin to love on like never before. God, we pray for grace over marriages right now in this place. Do we agree? Amen. God, we pray grace over marriages right now in this place. God, the in relationships. God, and people who are are together this morning here, God, I pray a great unity by your power in the name of Jesus, God, that every distraction will be gone. God, I pray over young men. Young men, I pray over your life right now. I pray over your spirit that has come under attack from the enemy to the things that you have seen and, and the battle in your thoughts. I pray deliverance right now in the name of Jesus. Let's pray for the men this morning. God, we pray deliverance over their minds and a freedom and a joy in their spirit right now in the name of Jesus, that your identity is a son of God, that you're a mighty man of God. God, we pray we fix our eyes upon you right now in this place, in this church, right now in this place, in this church. Jesus, we give you everything. Jesus, we give you everything. Thank you for listening to the Banner Church Podcast. We hope this message was impactful for you. Check the episode notes to visit our website, follow us on social media, and subscribe to our podcast. We'll see you again next week.